Hello and welcome to the Big Leads Press Pass Podcast. I'm your host, Liam McEwen. And today with us, we have a very special guest. He is the most popular man in sports media over the last couple of weeks. His name is Seth Wickersham. He is an NFL reporter for ESPN. And he is coming out with a new book called It Is Better To Be Feared, a very in-depth investigative reporting piece on the Brady-Belichick-Craft relationship. Very excited to have him on. Seth, thank you so much for joining, man. Thank you. So, how's it been? <laughs> Brady, Brady Belichick was obviously the big story of the weekend. Uh, the game delivered much better than I thought it was going to be personally. But, I mean, uh, your book's coming out a week from today, actually, I believe, if I, uh, if I got that right. And uh, so, kind of how's, how's the reception been in the early going? I know some advanced copies have been set out. I mean, how are you feeling a week out from this, this huge date for you? It's been busy, but, I mean, man, you know, these are good problems. and. Um, I've enjoyed all the conversations I've got to have it about it. And I really, you know, I went to the game Sunday night and, and that was just, it was awesome. Even though the game was a sloppy game because of the rain, I had a, you know, it was fascinating to watch, um, you know, the, the X's and O's um, game between two of the, the most brilliant minds, you know, ever to, you know, take part in football. And so it was a really cool thing to see. And, and, um, you know, I'm just glad that, you know, the reception of the book's been good and, you know, it's been, it's been fun discussing it. Definitely. When you first started out in the industry, was writing these big, you know, like literal books, was that ever part of your, you know, your long-term plan or is it just something that sort of happened? It was, but I, I never did it. <laughs> um, I mean, I, you know, anybody who loves sports journalism, you know, has to have a healthy love for some of the books that have been written over the years. And um, I remember when I was um, still in college, actually, I became friends with Rick Tellender at the Chicago Sun-Times, and he's still a great friend and, and mentor. And, um, you know, he's just written so many great, so many great books. And, um, it, you know, from 100 Yard Lie to heaven is a playground and actually he wrote a book on joe namath which i i think is like one of the the best reads on joe namath ever even though you know it's it's it seems like it's been lost a little bit and and so we would talk about book writing and he knew that this was a goal of mine but um you know i just i never did it you know espn is a busy is a busy place it keeps you going and and you know i was never sure you know what type of subject you know could make an entire book Definitely. And obviously this particular subject is uh, one that will be talked about in football lore for a really long time. But as far as just what you've been doing at ESPN over the years and kind of, you know, the build up to your career, what helped you prepare to write something like this? <laughs> Nothing prepares you. But I would say that, you know, I was hired at ESPN magazine um, after I graduated from college at the University of Missouri. And one of my first stories a year later um, it was in, you know, the fall of 2001 was on this plucky quarterback, Tom Brady, who had come off the bench because Drew Bledsoe nearly died in a, in a collision and, you know, was, you know, winning games with the Patriots and nobody even knew if he would finish the season as the starter. And um, uh, so that was, you know, it was interesting at the time. I obviously had no idea that, Tom Brady would become Tom Brady, um, nor did anybody. But um, I, I, you know, I, and I actually did two stories on him that that first year. And so, you know, 
I felt like I could do the book because I had just sort of had a foundation and a little bit of a window into, you know, what things were like at that particular time. And as relationships developed, I got to see Tom at his house or at Super Bowl parties or, you know, whatever, what, you know, playing backgammon. And, um, and I, and, and I felt like that I could draw upon th those notebooks and those experiences and in a lot of ways, I felt like maybe it would be more effective than like sitting down with Tom Brady and trying to ask him about what that time was like. Cause I mean, he's disgusted. And if, you know, I were to sit down with Tom Brady for an hour for the book and you're trying to get 20 years worth of material, you know, experiences into one hour, it would be difficult. Um, and so I felt like that, you know, that combined with a lot of, you know, other experiences over the years really helped me write this. Yeah, I mean, it's actually interesting. I didn't realize that there that parallel is there for you, that one of your early stories for ESPN was profiling Tom Brady. And then here you both are 20 years later in your respective fields, having gotten a lot of success. I mean, was that cool for you kind of like watching that develop? Yeah, and it, when we first met, so we graduated college the same year. And when we first met, um, he, he we were at the old stadium it was like a high school stadium the Patriots used to play in. And he showed up and he was wearing like gray um, sweat clothes and he had like a big backpack on. So he kind of looked like a college student moping to class, you know, early in the morning. Yeah. And in the backpack, he had all this beer because he had lost a bet on the Michigan, Michigan State game. But, um, you know, when we sat down, you know, we kind of felt like two of the same species, right? I mean, we're both kind of like young men getting started in our careers. And, you know, the next time we had seen each other periodically, but the next time I sat down with him for a long time for a story was 2003. And at that point, you know, everything was different. I mean, his entire life had changed and had changed, you know, as it usually does with American celebrity with no time to think about it or to process or to consider what was going on. I think he, he called it a, you know, he felt like a kite in the wind. Um, and so you know, that part of it was kind of cool, but it was very fleeting. <laughs> For sure. And then what, I mean, obviously Brady Belichick craft, the Patriots, there's obvious appeal there, but what was your thought process as far as looking at that situation and being like, I want to write a book about that. You know, you have a platform to write as many articles as you want about it. Theoretically. I mean, what drove you to be like, I want to make this into a full book. Yeah, and I have written a lot of articles about it. And, you know, one thing you do when you write magazine stories or even investigative stories sometimes, you know, you just end up with a lot of things that don't make it into the story. And then especially when you look back on it with like the passage of time, you see, wow, a lot of those things were really interesting at the time. And, then you know, or interesting. And maybe at the time I didn't realize it or they didn't seem interesting, but you look back at it now. Like I remember Tom Brady at that first meeting, he told me that football had always come easy for him. And I was like, who says that, you know, when they're 24 years old, they're not even like the full-time starter for their own team. And, you know, looking back on that now, you see a lot of where his kind of confidence and resolve, you know, came from. But um, anyway, and, you know, Bill Belichick, obviously, you know, he's a great character, very different than Tom Brady, but, you know, look at the cultural presence that he's become as a, as a fashion icon as a, you know, media relations consultant <laughs> and how he conducts press conferences. He's a very influential figure and he's a very complicated one. And, and so, and then you have Robert Kraft who, you know, is probably gonna make it to the hall of fame. Um, 
and, and one of the reasons he will make it to the Hall of Fame is because he was able to, to keep the band together and to navigate these personalities. It doesn't mean that it wasn't hard at times, but he did it. So all of those things together, I thought, you know, this can be a book. Definitely. And this is a question I've had a couple guys like you who've written books after spending most of their career as a reporter. And this is a question I like to ask them all because you all have different and very interesting answers is, I mean, just for, you know, your average listener who doesn't work in the business and probably most of us haven't written a book. I mean, what are some of the big differences that you found in the process between writing a book and doing like a big investigative piece as you've done for, you know, over the years, you know, won awards for it. I mean, your experience with these long form things, but there's long form and then there's books. So well, you know, in the process of writing, what were some of those differences for you? Well, they're both fun, but in different ways. I mean, the, the investigative pieces are, are contained, right? Even if they're long stories, you know, Don Van Natta and I writing about Demora Smith, you know, it's a long, you know, that was a, that was a you know, more than 10,000 word story. But even then, those, those stories are self-contained. I think the fun part with a book and the hard part in a lot of ways is that you know, you don't have to tie up every single loose end. You can introduce ideas that you don't have to necessarily, you know, see to their conclusion. Um, the hard part with a book is that, you know, you have to write it every single day. It's someone said it was a lot more like, you know, putting a house together where you just have to hammer every single nail every day, even if you're not feeling it. You just you kind of can't stop. Otherwise, you'll just lose all your momentum. And the other challenge with the book is that, you know, if you're going to ask people to stay along with you for 500 some pages, the writing needs to have a tailwind. You know, you have to have a perspective that anchors the book and sort of informs everything that the reader is seeing so that they see those anecdotes within that context. And so that part of it's tricky, but, you know, you just do the best you can, <laughs> as with all writing, you know. Be right back with more gold after a word from our sponsors. So you spoke about kind of that context, that lens through which you want the reader to see. What do you think in your new book that that lens is specifically? Well, I wanted to know how their greatness came to be and what the cost of that greatness was. And, you know, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick are two very different people. And but they're also similar in some ways. And, you know, that was one of the things I wanted to highlight. We obviously talk about their personality differences quite a bit, but they have a lot in common. And, and one of the things you know, they're number one, it's like just the longevity of them. You know, the fact that they're still doing this, both of them, they so many exit ramps that they blew right past that they could have, you know, taken knowing that their wealth is, is secured and their legacy is secured and all these things. And so clearly they're doing this for reasons that are beyond money and recognition. It's a very primal need for them to, to keep playing and coaching football. And then the way they do it is just very interesting. Nobody in NFL history has believed in the power and the promise of the next play like these two guys. I mean, they're, they're different people, but they're both optimists in a very fundamental way where, you know, they can flush out no matter what has happened in the game and focus on what's next and how to win that play. And you see it play out on international stages, you know, Tom Brady, uh, how many, at least four of his Super Bowls, you know, had fourth quarter comebacks in them. And Bill Belichick and all of the goal line stands that his defenses have had over the years, going back to the Super Bowl in 1986 against the Broncos when he was the Giants defensive coordinator. I mean, 
teams can get to the one yard line or they can have a lead, but nobody like these two men have refused to concede an inch to anybody else's idea of what's possible or inevitable. Um, and so I, I really wrote a lot about that. Yeah. It seems like kind of their place in history seems to be a large part of what you wanted to get across. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you occupy a very interesting space in the sports media world for people paying attention. You, <laughs> Seth Wickersham, are one of the few guys who has been able to report on the inner workings of the Patriots organization because Bill Belichick has that place locked down like a military fort. So not asking you to give away any trade secrets or anything, but insofar as like developing these sources and that sort of thing, you know, how does, how did the experience of working your sources and, you know, doing this reporting for the Patriots compare to other reporting that you've done in your career? Well, and I think it kind of goes back to what we were saying. I mean, you know, a lot of the people I've just known for a long time Mm. and, you know, I've known Eric, Mangini for a long time I got to know him during the beginning of their run um and he's on the record in the book and you know so it's just like you're around people I go to a lot of you know a lot of years I've spent at the NFL combine you meet people there um league meetings you know you meet people at league meetings you do various stories over the years and you have to reach out to people and so you 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 meet them through those things and then you know there's people that I had never met before who I talked to for the book, who are great helps, like, you know, Dante Scarnecchia, who was the offensive line coach for so long. Um, So, you know, how do you peel away at that? You know, I've done it. Other people have done it too. You know, a lot of the the beat writers there are really good at at writing about the inner workings of the NFL. And I think that the other thing is their success has meant that, you know, from 2004 on, a lot of coaches and executives and people – are now running other teams. And so because they're, they're not in new England anymore, they're maybe a little bit more comfortable talking about, you know, what, what life was like there. Yeah, certainly. And that's, I mean, that's the, that's the whole thing is, is what life is like with the new England Patriots. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I mean, how much does your book delve into that as far as that kind of, lot? you know, and and it's one of the early chapters um, that I write a lot about it's, two chapters back to back, actually, that I just write about like what, what their days were like, what it was like starting at four 30 in the morning and often going till beyond midnight. What was Belichick like running a meeting after a win, after a loss before a game, you know, when he's trying to just make sure that every screw is tight. And then, you know, he had all these younger coaches that he hired and like Eric Mangini and Josh McDaniels and Matt Patricia and people like that, who, you know, it was so formative for them. I mean, Belichick was like their football father. And so what was it like for them to learn under this master? And then what was it like when they went off and tried to do their own thing? Like what, you know, it it was obvious that he had huge influences over them. And, you know, to the point where they often looked like they were mimicking him because it was the only way that they knew. Um, So, you know, those are, those are things I really wanted to dive into as deeply as I could and try to show readers just, you know, what was it like working at the, at the feet of a great coach like that? Yeah, certainly. And I think that's something that interests a lot of people because for it's, I mean, it is essentially unprecedented for a team with this much success to have, you know, in the grand scheme of it all, so little known about what happens inside the building. Yeah. And, and, and even with some of those, especially when I, wrote about the younger coaches, I, I felt a little bit of a kinship because as a writer, 
you're always trying to find your voice. And it, it sounds simple, but it's hard. And when these coaches left New England and they went off and tried to run their own things, in a very real way, they were trying to find their voices as coaches because all they knew was how Bill Belichick had raised them. Definitely. So as you know, well, Seth, and many of us know, if we've been, you know, looking at the media world over the last couple of days, Bill Belichick has made a couple of comments about your book and, you know, about the fact that he hasn't talked to you and things like that. And, you know, we're not going to get into any particulars there, but just did you anticipate this kind of public, you know, comments and backlash from Bill Belichick of all people when you were writing the book? I, I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, he said that we had never talked. And I mean, you know, he, I want to be very clear. He, he didn't, I didn't interview him for the book, but I did, I have had a lot of conversations with him over the years for various stories. And, you know, those are all out there for anybody who, you know, knows how to work Google. But um, I've been, you know, so I've done a lot of stories about the Patriots over their run. And, you know, some of those stories have flattered them and some have angered them. And, you know, it's not the first time that they have, um, released a statement about me or said something about my reporting. And, you know, there's a little bit of a storm that comes with it. And then what I've found is that, you know, the stuff that I was trying to write about ends up being true. And, um, you know, they end up admitting it later after the fact, or the owner ends up, you know, telling Jeff Benedict last year in the dynasty, all of the ways that he solved the tension in the building that I first wrote, you know, I was one of the people who wrote about it and, you know, they released a statement saying that it wasn't true. And so um, I, I guess that I was prepared for a little bit of this, but there's nobody who's read the book who a friend of mine or a not a friend of mine who thinks that it's a negative book on Tom Brady, a negative book on Bill Belichick or a negative book on Robert Kraft. It doesn't mean that there aren't the occasional swear word moments in there, but, you know, by and large, I tried to tell a real story as best I could. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned that you've done a lot of, you know, this kind of deep delve work into the Patriots. And the one that comes to mind for me personally is the one you wrote in 2017, I believe, in the aftermath of the Eagles Super Bowl that really exposed some of the fractures and the relationship between that trio. How did that piece work its way into the book, not in terms of the content, but just in terms of the experience of getting to the bottom of that and then how you made that, uh, took the next steps rather to the process of writing this larger yeah, that was in, um, that was early in 18. That was before, that was, it came out right before the playoffs, I believe, or maybe at the end of the regular season, it was right around there. But um, I, I, you know, I wrote about my, about that story, you know, within the context of, of, um, you know, it's where it was. And, and during that year, the public had started to learn that there was problems in the building. And in October of that year, I wrote a story about Tom Brady and the TB12 method. And I, I had an anecdote in there that there was a collision coming between um, Alex Guerrero, Brady's you know body coach and business partner, and Bill Belichick. And then I think a month later, the Boston Globe reported that Belichick had severely curtailed um, Guerrero's access around the team. And then Tom Curran, NBC Sports Boston, you know, was really plugged in, and he was writing some stuff about the problems in the building there too. And you know, my story came, and then you know, the ownership, you know, admitted that they're, you know, they released a statement. Um, and then the ownership, like in an interview a couple weeks later, admitted that there was tension in the building. And then Brady ended up skipping the entire voluntary offseason workout program and didn't know whether he wanted to return to New England. And, you know, he, he remember he had that famous moment where he pleaded the fifth. 
um, at the at the conference. And so when I reference my own work in the book, you know, I, I tried to just do it as best I could within the context of, you know, when it came out and if it if anything, what it meant. Definitely. And now that we've gotten through all of that, I have a very important question to ask you. What was your favorite part about writing the book? You know, we all talk about writing a book is a very difficult task. It's a monumental task. You got to keep going nails in the house. But I mean, now that you're done with the process, you're on the eve of it releasing, what did you enjoy most about writing a book? So I divided the book into three parts. The first part was kind of the first, you know, run of Super Bowls, right? And, and you know, the the rise, if you so to speak. And then the second part was the 10-year drought where they didn't win a Super Bowl, where they were so close, but they were just coming up short. And then the third part was when they started winning Super Bowls and, you know, when Brady finally left. But the part that I really enjoyed the most was the middle part, because here you had Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, who were winning games at a remarkable clip and playing at a remarkably high level and were in a cultural and athletic thin air. And yet they had just plateaued, even if it was at the highest level. And I really was fascinated about like how people who are so great try to, you know, make themselves a fraction of a percent better to get them over the line. And you see it with Tom where he really became you know, a devotee of, of his method and some of the things that he and Alex Guerrero do because he thought, and, you know, he remade his throwing motion also. And, you know, he thought that working with the, doing these things would just help him get a little bit better. What that might be the difference between winning and losing a Super Bowl. And then you have Bill Belichick who did the same thing. And I think that one of the key moments in the history of the dynasty that often gets overlooked is um, 2015 playoffs, third quarter, they're playing the Baltimore Ravens in Gillette. Baltimore Ravens are not afraid of the Patriots at all. And they're up 14 points and they call this funky formation and they ran it two different ways. It was called Baltimore and it was called Ravens and they got it from a coach. It was originally called um, fight song because when we run it, we're going to win or we're going to score. And, um, you know, Bill unveils that formation and what it led to, you know, it really reignited the dynasty in a fascinating way. And so it was those types of moments that I really wanted to write in a way that sort of honored the ethic that Brady and Belichick put to things, you know, put into their work and, and try to show how that, how that helped them overcome that, that last little hump. For sure. As a brief aside, I was at that game and I firmly really the greatest Patriots game to take place at Gillette Stadium of all time. Well, and like one of the most interesting things about that is that Belichick not only had the Baltimore formation and he not only had the adjustment off of it that was the Ravens formation, but he knew that John Harbaugh, the coach of the Ravens, was a great coach, but has a little bit of a temper, as we've seen over the years, would get upset about this. And so in the third quarter, Harbaugh got so upset that he got an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. And so one of the themes that I write about in the book is how Belichick's really like a master psychologist in the football sense and how he sets these traps for coaches to walk into. And, and he did that with John Harbaugh during that game. Yeah, it was as a patient. I mean, it's just him. At, it's just him at his diabolical, most brilliant. <laughs> exactly. Who is, uh, the, you know, if you have one, that is, who is, you know, who did you enjoy interviewing for this book the most? Greg Harden, um, Tom Brady's counselor at Michigan and someone who he's confided in, you know, past his Michigan years, because, you know, when, when Tom Brady was at Michigan, 
he was, in his own words, a whiner who, who just didn't think that anything was his fault. And there was a key moment that really kind of made his career, as it turns out. And that was the night that he considered leaving Michigan. He was buried on the depth chart and, and transferring to Cal. He tells Lloyd Carr, the head coach, that he's going to transfer. And then he meets with Greg Harden, his counselor. And, and you know, Brady's kind of complaining and explaining why he's going to transfer because he's never going to see the field. And his counselor starts laughing at him and almost like, you know, you'd think how all the ways you could respond with, with tough love or hang in there, whatever it is. And he started laughing at him and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but he said, you know, you haven't done squat here anyway. If you want to leave, go ahead. Nobody will care. And it really like reignited the inner competitor in Brady. And the next morning, you know, he tells Lloyd Carr that he's going to stay and he's going to prove to him that he's going to be the best quarterback. And that relationship continued, even like when Brady was struggling to adjust to fame and, and sort of complaining about the things he can't do anymore. Can't go to the grocery store or the gas station. Greg Harden would respond the same way. He'd laugh at him. And, you know, he'd, he'd say, look, you say you want to be the best at this, but you want to deal with the celebrity that comes with it, you know? And he said at one point, he goes, you're the hot cookie right now and you won't be forever. So you can pick up a phone and make a kid's different, you know, a, a difference in a kid's life right now. So you should do it. And it turns out Brady's been the hot cookie for 20 years now. The hottest cookie, many have said. Seriously. <laughs> now that you've gone through this process, do you think you'd ever write another book? I hope so. Not on the Patriots, but, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, it's, a, it's a fun process, but I don't think, you know, anything can be a book. I think you have to find the kind of the right mix of, of, of passion and, you know, what you want to learn as you, as you go through it. Um, but it's, it's, it's cool. I enjoyed it. For sure. And then when you first, I mean, when, when, you know, going all the way back, when did you first realize that doing sports journalism was something that you were interested in? Yeah, I went to the University of Missouri, you know, for the journalism program. And at a time, you know, I didn't know whether I wanted to do broadcast or print. Um, it, it turns out that I got self-selected pretty quickly and, and um, quickly learned that I was better at writing than I was at doing television. But, you know, that was where I, I did it. And I had some great friends there who are still my great friends. Um, Wright Thompson, Justin Heckert, Steve Olentic, Tony Rehagen, um, Robert Sanchez, great writer in Colorado. Um, you know, those guys pushed and they inspired me. And it was really fortunate because, um, you know, I've been fortunate to have, you know, the career that I have. And I, I just don't know if it would have happened if I hadn't gotten lucky and been in college with like a group of people who are really ambitious and, you know, were competitive, but also just your best friends you could ever ask for. And so, um, you know, that's kind of how I decided to do it. For sure. What surprised you the most about writing a book? Um, again, it's just the, you know, you just got to keep doing it every day. You just cannot stop whether you're, you know, feeling inspired or not. You just can't stop. And often what I would do, I, you know, I rewrote the book a lot, not where it was finished and I started over, but I, on the days where I wasn't feeling particularly creative, you know, I would go back a couple thousand words and just pick a point and just start reading. And then, you know, you end up writing through and rewriting and rewriting. And I did that, you know, many times. And that helped me a lot of the times, um, you know, write new material when, you know, you, you kind of catch a wave and you ride that wave out as long as you possibly can catch a creative wave. Yeah, certainly. 
Was that something that was almost unexpected for you going into it? Um, no, because I, I do the same thing with the magazine stories. Um, I'm a compulsive rewriter. I, I you know, I, I do that a lot, but, um, you know, the book is just a bigger scale. Yeah, that makes sense. And then finally, Seth, what was the most, uh, you know, maybe not the most, but one of the more interesting tidbits that you learned in the process of writing this book? Um, this makes me laugh all the time. Um, but, uh, you know, Spygate breaks in 2007 mm. and Roger Goodell is trying to learn all he can about these illegal taping practices and what it means and what kind of advantage it might give. And, and so he's calling a bunch of coaches and GMs and they're all just burying Bill Belichick. It's just the height of piousness. And he ends up, you know, saying Belichick's got to be fined or, you know, whatever it is, this is horrible. And he calls Mike Shanahan, the head coach of the Denver Broncos, who was a good friend of Belichick's and really the only other coach in the NFL who was like, you know, the reigning genius, right? I mean, he, he was really smart and someone that Bill had a lot of respect for. And Shanahan gets on the phone with Roger Goodell and he says, you know, I'm, he basically says, I'm jealous that I didn't think of this cheating method myself. And if I had, I would have done it in a New York minute. And, you know, basically saying, you can't say that Belichick's a bad guy. He just does this better than anybody else. And I think that was like an interesting reality check about the mindset of the best of the best coaches. And just that like, um, you know, a peer would, would come to his defense in that way. I thought was, was not only revealing, but it was kind of funny. Yeah, definitely. And now for my final question, Seth, the book is done. It's coming out next week. What are you feeling like? Are you feeling relieved? Are you feeling excited? Are you raring to go and write more long pieces? I mean, what's, what's, where's your head at now that you're on pretty much the precipice of this years long process? Yeah, I've got, some, I've got some new things that, you know, ESPN was great to me during this process um, and working on some new projects with ESPN that I think are going to be really cool. And um, so those are keeping me busy and, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to enjoy this process, um, you know, as best I can. It's you wake up with a little bit of anxiety and also a little bit of gratitude and just kind of, you know, navigate the days as best you can. But it's been it's been a ton of fun and, um, you know. We'll just see how, you know, I'm, I'm also just, you know, looking forward to, um, you know, getting the next few weeks, you, you know, at, behind me and, um, you know, being able to, to get back to traveling for some of my ESPN stuff that I think is going to be really cool. Well, you only write your first book once, right? Exactly. Seth, thank you so much for coming on the Press Pass podcast, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you. All right, best of luck to you and to you readers. You can purchase Better To Be Feared from your local bookseller. Support Seth. It's going to be a great piece of work. This is your host, Liam McEwen, signing off.